Hello and welcome. My name is Michael Matry and I'm your host and you're listening to Season 3 of the Life Scheme Podcast, Episode 1. Tonight we have a special guest, Dr. Tama. And listen to her as she dives into a powerful, powerful topic, life after trauma. It's the first part of what is a three-part series on trauma. I hope you enjoy. I'm so honored to be here. This is the very first episode of Life Scheme Season 3. I'm blessed and I'm honored to be with somebody that I look up to so much and is such a pioneer in everything that we're trying to do here in our Life Scheme, the same industry, mental health awareness, spiritual mental health awareness. That's Dr. Tama. Dr. Tama, welcome. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I am excited to be here as well. I'm so honored to have you and I'm exploding right now with expression because this is something that I've been working on for such a long time. So one of the things that we did was we made sure that we surveyed some of our followers because they all like what I like and we all like you. (laughs) (laughs) So a lot of them are followers of your quotes and things of that nature. So what we did was we gathered some questions from them and some things for them. Um, Love it. Weighing in on, and we'll progress as the interview goes through. Sounds good. I love the collective. Amen. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, first thing is, is that you know I've done my homework, I've done my research on you, and um, I realized that we have some things in common. But I see all the awards and the accolades and the numerous publications on various subjects as it relates to trauma. So the thing that comes to my mind as far as this is, that's not just drive. You don't collect a resume like that uh, for all those years and all those things and all those achievements and all those publications just because of drive alone. There's passion there. And so I I wanted to know what what got you into this? Why psychology? Why, why, Why so passionate about mental health? To know about my work as a psychology and to know me is to know about the people who raised me. And so uh, both of my parents are in ministry. Uh, So growing up, I was a pastor's daughter. And as a pastor's daughter in Baltimore, in a predominantly black community, uh, people didn't know a lot about therapy or psychology. They knew about going to talk to pastor. So pastoral counseling. Uh, So I like to say, I grew up working my first crisis hotline in my house. (laughs) Uh, You know, you just have uh, members of the church calling uh, when they're facing different life challenges. And uh, they don't really care who answers the phone when you're in crisis. Whoever picks up is going to hear it. Um, And so uh, being in a position to understand the benefit of bearing witness. Uh, what it means for people to really see you and to hear you um, and to know that you can do that work, not just out of your own effort, um, but from a place of faith. And really, therapy is an act of faith. You know, people show up every week or every other week or monthly with the belief that somehow things can get better than they are right now. That's a declaration of faith, right? (laughs) That I might be depressed, I might be anxious, I might be dealing with addiction, but there is a part of me that believes that things can get better. And so I'm showing up to do the work, right? Uh, And so growing up, a big emphasis that my 
parents both taught us and my mother was very much into um, community work and into missions and into women's ministry um, was the importance of giving back and making things relevant for our community. And so for me, what that connects to what I later learned about in psychology is what's called liberation psychology or black psychology or social justice oriented psychology. And that is taking psychology beyond the walls, beyond the academy. Like you should not be able uh, to only learn about psychology if you are wealthy or if you are white um, or if you are a non-believer but how do we bring it uh, to our community and to our people? And so that has been working through community organizations, working with the church, utilizing social media uh, by any means necessary uh, so that people can have access to information so that we can be well. Wow. Yeah. Going back to what you said about your start, because to me that's yeah. mind blowing. That's a mind blowing way to start. I'm sure you've heard some life <laughs> um, right. in those in, in that experience. Is there anything that you or draw even to this day from that experience in comparison to some things that you see now? Is there like a moment that sticks out to you? Yes, I think one of the the pieces was um, hearing from a sister who was dealing with domestic violence. Many times our experiences, especially as it occurs within the family or within the community, are silenced. And sometimes people believe, if I just love God enough, everything will work out. And so it was one of these key moments, you know, because I knew the sister, you know, woman in the church who's always trying to help people. But it is the reality um, that we do not live in a just world that just because you try to be kind or because you love God uh, doesn't mean that every day is gonna be rosy or that everyone is going to treat you with the care and respect you deserve. Shattering silence and shattering shame. Uh, because often, it's like the way people try to present on social media, it's also how people try to present in church <laughs> as if they have it all together. And we need those spaces where we can say, I'm struggling, you know, and um, for it to be authentic. That's what sanctuary is supposed to be, a place where you can be real and true, not where you have to perform. And so I keep that in mind um, in terms of not judging a book by their cover. It's like, if you look all broken down, it's easy for people to say, oh, this person is struggling, right? But what about if you're the soloist on the choir? Or what about if you have on all these name brands and you know, all, you know, it, 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 you can have a very manicured, curated life that is crumbling on the inside. And so it taught me early not to be distracted by the appearance of things. Ooh, you don't know me. You don't know me. <laughs> Ooh, you don't know me at all. We just met. You don't know. Yeah. Me. You don't know me, Jesus. <laughs> okay. Well. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's just my whole life in a nutshell. So, <laughs> here's the thing. Um, I've been around uh, um, a lot of different high places in academia and all of that. Um, I've been around Harvard and 
some of your old stopping grounds in Pepperdine University. I was doing like a, a little ad hoc speech class there that I was teaching. And one of the things that really struck out to me was how brilliant those minds are in those spaces. You know, um, I think people underestimate that. They think like, oh, they're just book smart or whatever they say about people that are in these educations and these universities and all that. But the brilliant minds, and I've met a lot of brilliant minds I can say over my life. Um, but one of the things that really strikes, strikes out and really separates you from the pack, from what I would say, is there's a feel there. There's more of a feel there than I've ever felt in that realm. There's more of a care there that comes with um, your profession. And there's more of a direct line to people. And I think that's evidenced in your quotes. I think that's the thing that drew me to you the most and drew my followers to you to the most was your quotes. And it's all relatable. It's all things that are just very real. It's, it's not sugar-coated. It's very direct and to the point. So I think a lot of these questions that we're going to talk about, we talk about life after trauma, are a direct reflection of some of your quotes and, and, things, and things that you've generally talked about before as it relates to trauma, if that makes sense. Yes, definitely. And the part about relating to people it is important because uh, I have a story, right? We all have lived experiences. And so what I try to remind our students I teach in a graduate program is you don't have to leave yourself behind to be a good psychologist. It will be a detriment if you memorize this book, but forget yourself, right? <laughs> so when I show up in a space, like I am not, I don't use the books as like, a, a buffer between me and people, right? That I have to show up with my heart, with my spirit, and then use what I know and what I learn to flow through that. Um, but but that is important for us not to lose our humanity and thinking that we want to either be professional or we want to be educated as if like uh, to be you, to be the mm -hmm. fullness of you in feminist uh, psychology, they talk about multiple ways of knowing. And so there are some things we know from books and there are some things we know from life and some things we know from our ancestors. So, you know, we bring all of that to the table without a hierarchy of thinking some of those things are more valuable than others. Wow. When we react to things, there's a hierarchy as well. Right? right, and there's levels to which we can react, right? And you're the expert on this. And, and so one of the things that we did was we put a question out there on IG. And the question was, what was one of the victories that you've yeah. had since dealing with your trauma, right? Looking at it the opposite way. And yes. somebody, said, somebody said, and weighing on this, somebody said, the fact that my first reaction wasn't rooted in any pain. When something happened, mm -hmm. my first reaction wasn't rooted in anything painful. It was a, a, a calmness there. There was a willingness to see another end, a willingness to see the bright side. My first reaction in things was no longer from that place of pain. Mm -hmm. How? What would you say to somebody that's trying to recover from something that happened? They're no longer in that space. They're in a place where they're trying to approach peace and something happens. And, and their ability to be able to say, this is not that. This is just a regular life hiccup, but this is not that. Yes, so important. And first, I want to give a shout out to whoever gave that answer to celebrate them for getting to that place because that is progress. It's a breakthrough uh, to not live out of the wound, you know, 
And when we are unhealed, the wound can hold us hostage and it can dictate how we think about ourselves. It can dictate our relationships. It can dictate the way we eat, the way we sleep, the way we dress. It can run our lives. And so what I like to say is trauma affects me, but it does not define me. It is a part of my life, but I refuse to let it drive my life, right? And so in order for it not to, and this will kind of seem uh, like a contradiction, but in order to not let it bleed over everything, I have to first let it bleed, right? <laughs> Many of us have never grieved. You know, we've never given ourselves uh, space and permission to feel it because especially if it happened early, a lot of times the adults around you either did not know or expected you to pretend like that was normal. And so if everybody was acting like it's not a big deal, then you know that message about just suck it up or pull it together or man up or all these little phrases that are really about suppressing our pain. And so then it has to bleed out in these other ways. Now you have issues with authority. Now you're zapping out on people. Now you know you're silenced and can't find your voice. It's it showing up, but often it is unacknowledged. And so many people want to jump to the finish line and say, "How can I be over it?" And I would say, first face it. Let it yeah. let it finish its work in you. That's <laughs> you right. Know, whatever it is yeah. that, that we refer to, right. and then from there. Then right. Yes. And so then looking at what are the distortions, so we would say, what are the lies mm -hmm. that this experience told you about yourself or told you about people and relationships? Because the reason you're getting triggered in the future is because of the lie, right? So, yeah, your belief system. So it may have made you believe that you are unworthy, that you were unlovable that no one is trustworthy. So like, what is the script that you have been going off of so that you can recognize, as you said, that is what happened in that circumstance, but that is not what has to happen in every circumstance. So that does not have to be the script for my life. Um, so what it requires then is um, looking at evidence to the contrary. You know, what, what are the things that can let me know that that's not true? And sometimes it is easier for us to put someone else in our circumstance because many of us are very hard on ourselves. So we could talk around in circles, but you will still say like, but I should have, I should have, I should have. But if the same situation happened to someone else, usually we have more grace uh, for other people. Mm -hmm. um, and then I would say giving yourself what I like to call sacred pause so that you don't react so quickly. Right. Often when I'm reacting out of my wound, there was no pause. You said it. You looked at me funny. You did whatever. And like and I'm rising up. Right. Um, but if I can just say, hmm, OK, that was interesting. Like, What did they just say? You know, uh, because here's the thing in most of our circumstances. And I know this can depend on people's life journey. But in most of our circumstances, the current things are not dangerous. So your body is telling you, danger, 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 fight, go off, go to level 10, shut them down. This is a war. This, you know, all of that is. And so if I can just breathe and say, I'm safe, Be like safe. that was rude or that was disrespectful, but I'm safe. Yeah. And then from my safe place and from taking breath, 
Now I can decide how I want to respond because it's a place of empowerment to no longer be a puppet. Okay. When the wound is running my life, then if you do this, I have to do that. If you do this, I have to do that. But when I am empowered, you can act crazy. You can say whatever you can do, whatever. But I get to decide how I want to show up. So you going off doesn't mean I have to go off. I can watch your whole production or I could walk away from your production or I could shut your production down in the spirit. <laughs> it's a program. Right. It's a production. I don't have to play a role in it. That's right. That's right. I have options. And so from that place of pause and breath, I get to decide how I want to respond uh, in this moment. And I would also say when it is a pattern. So when some people keep doing the same thing, then I need to make some decisions about how much access I continue to give them to my life and how much um, I put my joy and my self-esteem in their hands. Because sometimes trauma can make us insecure. And so we are needing the validation and praise of other people, which can make us puppets. But when I can get clear, I am a sacred being. I am deserving of love and respect. And so when that is not coming, then I need to shift uh, my boundary because somebody doesn't know how to talk to me. <laughs> so if they don't know how to talk to me, I need to make another decision, right? So I can help you know how to talk to me is you don't get to talk to me. <laughs> yeah. This is so great. So there's two things in what I hear you saying. And just for the listeners, I want to make sure that I get it. There's first that initial response, the sacred pause, be still and know that I am, right? That's, that pause that says, I don't have to let everything move me, whether good or bad. Yes. That I can just take right. a pause and I can say, what just happened? And think in my divine mind before I just automatically do that autopilot thing, right? Yeah. That's what we got is the first one. And then the second one is, if you're constantly having to do that, then maybe you're in an atmosphere. Maybe you're in Come a on. space. Right. Maybe you're in an energy that yeah. is not in alignment with your best self, which is not in alignment with your track and your purpose, maybe you have something that's a distraction. Yes, absolutely. So, you know, when it's a when it's a pattern with a particular person or at a particular job, then I need to make a decision or even a particular place of worship. When I, when I keep seeing something that is problematic and it is not shifting, then I need to make a decision. The other possibility with the pattern is I keep getting this dynamic from multiple people, then I need to do some inward reflection of, is there any way that I am participating in this cycle, right? So one example of that is if you are the quote unquote strong one in your circle and everybody depends on you, everybody relies on you, nobody checks on you, everybody thinks you're superhuman, <laughs> right? So I could, I could complain about that or I could ask myself, how am I showing up with people that is giving them the idea I have no needs, I have no feelings, I don't ever get tired? What, what am I communicating that is allowing them to believe that? So I may need to start showing up in more truth. I may need to start asking for help. I may need to start saying, no, I can't do it, or no, I'm tired, uh, so that people can be educated <laughs> about who I am, that I am a human being. Wow, I am a human being. Different people may be struggling in different areas, right? And let's say that we're somebody who 
has no problem in that area because I know some people who preserve that. And maybe let's say the opposite end of the spectrum. Let the weak say, I am strong. So when we talk about affirmations, um, positive affirmations or things that we can do to keep the energy high so that we can stay in the yellow, so to speak, so that we can stay in our good vibration because sustainability and momentum, the people who are good, I'm on the other side of trauma. I don't deal with those things anymore the way I used to deal with them. I'm pausing, I'm handling it, I'm doing self-care. I got things going on all cylinders, but now I'm trying to get to the next level. And the next level is, how do I sustain this sacred energy? How do I sustain great mental health and I'm free in my newfound freedom? How do I create now a sustainability factor so I'm not waiting till things start to go down again for me to like do the things that I need to do? Correct, wonderful. So the, the first thing I'll say is around affirmations. Um, we actually have uh, research that shows when you say affirmations you don't believe, it causes more stress. So it's not enough to say it. You need to construct the affirmation in a way that it is true for you in the moment. So for example, if I said to someone every day, look in the mirror and say, I'm beautiful. But if in, the, in their minds they don't believe it, then they're looking in the mirror saying it and feeling worse, right? So then the affirmation may be, I am, I am striving to see the beauty in my own image, right? I am setting an intention to see the beauty in my own reflection. That's true, right? If you don't see it yet, it means you are aiming to see, you are looking to see. So I would just say in terms of the affirmation, make it something that's true of even your process. I am seeing it more. Right. Because you may you may not feel fabulous, but you feel better than you did last year. Right? So it is a work uh, in, in progress. So then in terms of sustainability, I'm so glad you named that, because sometimes we wait until we hit the bottom and then we give ourselves a little pick me up and then we just do that cycle over and over again. So what we want to think about is how do I craft a life of wellness instead of waiting until I break down? And uh, some of it can be around time management, but another piece I would like to name is uh, worthiness and mutual care. So uh, many of us have talked about balance and uh, time management, but in terms of worthiness, some of us continue to put ourselves last because we don't believe we are deserving of care, of rest, um, of the same things we invest in other people. So we put everybody else first, and that can be related to gender. If people are told that's what's supposed to happen, it can be related to religion. If people are, you know, trying to prove their faithfulness by erasing themselves, not recognizing scripture is love others as you love yourself, self. right? Love yourself. Yeah. So some people want to say that self-love is, you know, that it's nowhere in there. No, no, no. I, you know, if I love if I love God and I love other people and I don't love myself, it's gonna be a, a disaster. A yes, disaster. yeah. yeah. <laughs> so believing I I am deserving of the care that I so much want to give to others, and then another important piece is mutual care, uh, and this goes back to uh, I call it check your circle. You know, who are the people you spend the most time with? Because yeah. uh, that's gonna shape your life. 
You know, who are you on the phone with? Who are you talking to? Who are you meeting for lunch in these pandemic streets, right? Yeah. <laughs> so some people, you know, you come away feeling uh, encouraged or enriched, but it should be mutual, right? And some uh, some of your relationships um, are, are draining, right? Uh, end up making you feel worse or come away feeling empty. Now, it is fine to be a giver, but if you have set up your whole life like that, it is not sustainable. So that's uh, an important lesson that I teach our students who are, are training to be therapists or psychologists. You know, it's all day long, you are in a giver role. Now, if you set up all your relationships for you to continue to be that, you have nothing to give, right? So some of us have to work on receiving. And receiving can be uncomfortable for trauma survivors because you're not in control. Right? Oh my gosh. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, because that feels vulnerable, right? For people to really see you. So we're going to look at your patterns. You know, if you are always going after people who are unavailable, whether emotionally or otherwise, then that may be you protecting yourself because you're not ready to really be seen, right? But when somebody really comes up in your space mm. and sees you, that's, that's going to shift some things. That's going to heal some. So we say uh, good, good relationships are healing, yeah. right? Because it makes you show up and be present with yourself. Yeah. Um, so the mutual care and your worthiness will help you to be sustainable. And then I would say get specific with what your practices are. Some of us will say, I love to journal well, when do you journal? Uh, just every now and then whenever I feel like it. You know, for me, I love to dance. Well, when do you dance? Uh, when the spirit hits me, I dance. Yeah. No, we, we have to get right a routine. You have to just make it regular. And I would say be realistic because if you're not doing anything now and then you say I'm going to do it five times a week, that's not it's not that's usually going to work. Right. Yeah, so good. give yourself an honest goal of what can I start doing whether daily or weekly, to help me to stay in flow. Wow, that's that's good. I, I got two parts from that, and I first I say, wow, again, right on point with my life um, and everything that I've experienced. But I'm in a new relationship right now. Amen. Beautiful. <laughs> yeah, the glow. Yes, glow. <laughs> One of the things that you said that really struck out to me as it relates to that when we when we done with the first part. Um, about the self-love and self-love, even in your relationships, practicing self-love. Um, you had mentioned a quote, and I'll just paraphrase it. I can't remember it verbatim. Okay. Uh, then you'd start getting nervous if I did. <laughs> but it was something to the nature of, I hope you don't confuse what you have right now, this bare minimum, as what's meant for you. Just because what you had before was so traumatic yes. and bad and terrible. <laughs> Yeah. I hope you don't confuse somebody doing the bare minimum right. as your prize or your gift. It's just yeah. because it's a relief from what you've been through. That's right. That was powerful. That's right. That was deep. Yeah. It's so important and it's so easy to understand how it could happen to any of us, how it happens to all of us. Um, and I say the difference between good enough and good, mm. right? That just because it's better doesn't mean it's good. Ooh. You know, I've worked with people who the person they, they were dating would never call them back 
So now just because somebody calls them back, they acted like, like, like that's miraculous. I'm like, so the, the person you're calling your partner calls you back? Like that's, that's basic. Right? So, but they've given them a parade for a callback. Right? A parade. Wow. Yeah, so we have to think about, and it doesn't mean, you know, not to appreciate it. I think when we have been in circumstances, whether friendship or romantic or even a job um, uh, that wasn't affirming, that when we get to a place that's better, you know, we do have a lot of gratitude and a lot of appreciation. um, And at the same time, to try to have clarity around um, the fullness of what each of us are deserving, um, that we do not have to be um, content with any little thing someone wants to throw our way, right? It's like if you're not used to being affirmed, then somebody, we call it sweet talking, (laughs) somebody comes and gives you a compliment, but if you're so hungry for it, then it's like you're ready to give them your whole life because they said you're cute, right? Mm-hmm. So we have to to work through those realities. And it can help to have uh, friends, people around you who um, have perspective, who want goodness for you, and um, to have some people around you, I would say, who have had good experiences. Because if everybody in your circle is in a broken place, they might all just be celebrating you got a call back because they don't get a call back. So right. Then, right? Yeah. So the standard is off, right? Wow. So the frequency has to change and you have to be in new environments. You know, That's um, right. as the scripture says, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, right? Your mind. Yeah. Yes. How do we do that if we're not in a new environment? Yes. Yeah. So shifting our thinking to take in. Uh, some new information and to recognize the old script when it comes up, right? Because sometimes, especially when you go into like familiar places or when you're around certain people, you can go back to your old ways or your old mindset. But when you become more Mm self-aware, then you can say, oh, okay, right? I see. I'm shifting. Let me hold on to what I know. Mm. Mm. That's powerful. Powerful, powerful, all powerful, like I thought it would be. Um, I, I, I think that there's something that um, I want to know, but I think I was affirmed when somebody else asked the same question as it relates to you, because it's important to see what our leaders, the people who are here feeding us such, such valuable information. One of the things that I've been learning as to being a leader was to show my side of the vulnerability because uh, I can tend to be sometimes robotic when I'm doing my things and I'm putting my stuff out there and it's just like you know guys around me like damn man do you struggle <laughs> I'm like uh, you only knew how real the struggle was yeah I yes. struggle every day and it's a it's a fight to keep the sustainability in the divine mind every day in the face of surviving some type of a trauma so what would what would be something that you can give um, in terms of the audience as maybe something that you dealt with as of recent that really showed you a lot to the point where you were able to turn around and bless somebody else with that? Because I, I know that you're a servant 
And I know that the way you serve people is that you, you bless people with these insights and they have to come from somewhere. <laughs> you know, these are not just coming out of a book. These, these sound like they're life experiences. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. um, I think people want to know, like, what's something that you have gone through personally? And it could be something recent, but something that really sticks with you that you can give the audience that say the other side of the trauma. This is something that you can de- deal with that is that could be traumatic, maybe, mm-hmm. if you have yes. handle it. Yes. So I'm actually going to talk about an earlier one because the most recent one would be the pandemic. And I think that everybody has that. I mean, I could say that. Um, yeah. and, and it is true. Like, it is very challenging. Um, and just to speak to that briefly, I will say that in the pandemic, I had to, for the first time, set the boundary to finally put a notice on my website that I'm not taking any new clients. Mm. And that was a really hard one because I know how much we need it. And there's been such a stigma for people reaching out that it's like when people reached out, it was hard for me to say no, even though like I'm too capacity, right? Like there, I can't do it anymore. And then I have the teaching and all of that. So finally I had to say like, that's it, right? That's you, you can't, you can't. And the gift of that I will say is in the pandemic, I started referring to some of my former students and then all them got full. <laughs> so wow. they all ended up with right, a full caseload. So let, 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 let it multiply. They're just yeah. saying, thank you. Okay, don't send anymore. <laughs> so uh, that, that I will say just in terms of going through the, the pandemic, but I would say an earlier experience that was very uh, life altering was my parents, as I said, worked in ministry And um, when I was in high school, my father was elected to be a bishop. And um, in our denomination, the first term is usually overseas. So he was assigned to West Africa and we moved to Liberia. And um, I was in the 10th grade and it was a phenomenal experience um, for my first year. Um, I made beautiful connections. I got to see the beauty of our culture and heritage. You know, usually when they show Africa on TV, it's just people starving or it's just like terrible situations. But it was just so beautiful to come and see everybody who was in a position of power look like me. And that's liberation, right? It gives you, you know, a greater sense of confidence, clarity, and that anything is possible. Um, So that was really wonderful for me, unfortunately. Uh, during for the end of the second year, um, a civil war broke out and uh, it was just chaos. And we ended up, uh, because my family is um, black American, we were able to be evacuated. And so we moved there, a family of four, we moved there with like 12 suitcases and had to leave with one. And um, I had to leave behind people I cared about. Um, and. Um, that is is a piece for me in terms of the push of recognizing privilege, right? I am not any more deserving than anyone who was not allowed to get on that plane. I had the privilege of a passport that allowed me to be rescued. And so with privilege comes responsibility. So it is not just like sitting with like, oh, guilt and shame of like, oh, I was saved and others weren't. It's what are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with this, with this sacred gift of life? Um, and so that is a part of both my interests, my expertise is in trauma recovery. So that is a part of um, my, my focus on that. And also the sense of um, responsibility. I would say even you know going to Duke University, um, it's not just because I'm smart and other people aren't smart. There are plenty of smart people who never got access, never had opportunity. 
Um, and so that awareness is a part of what motivates me uh, to continue to find ways to give back. <laughs> powerful, powerful. Um, definitely, definitely. That message is so important and it's so needed, especially right now. I think that's that's so needed. I think people need to hear that. And we just really need, I think that's going to be where I cut and make a commercial of that because that, that's, you know, that that's it right there. And I think when it comes to the mindset, when it comes to, I think I just want to end um, on realization. I always go through these progressions in my head, belief, appreciation, realization, right? And we talked about the belief, changing the mindset. We talked about the gratitude and the appreciation that comes for your new life and respecting your new life. One of the ways you show that you appreciate is by treating it with care, right? And then the final thing is just like the realization. When we talk about the realization, the highest mind, the highest self, operating from that mind we talked a little bit about what not to do what to um how to protect the space that you have so that you don't allow people who are not operating on the same frequency as you quite honestly pull you down right and and put you in a place where you're going back to a life that you don't want to live anymore right uh just a mindset that you don't know no longer want to have but now in this new space now in this new life now with this new understanding, what is our responsibility? Like now that you're well, what is your responsibility? Yes, beautiful. And, and this is key, um, purpose living, right? And utilizing your gifts to, we would say, uh, leave it all on the dance floor, right? You don't, <laughs> you don't wanna end your season not having used your gifts and your opportunities and your knowledge, right? So a big thing in psychology is, you know, what we call positive psychology, which is, it's not just about getting rid of distress because the reality is I can help a client and now they're no longer suicidal, but they have no joy, mm. right? <laughs> you know, you could cut out some unhealthy behavior. So let's say they're not cutting anymore. They're not high all the time. You know, they transform their eating. Um, but they're still not living with purpose. So one step is like, how do I heal um, the wound so that I'm not continuing to act in destructive ways? But now, like, I'm now I'm at space zero. I'm at, I'm at stage one to now like flourishing, right? Growing, building. Eve Insler uh, said, um, "We have spent so much time healing from what other people have done to us." What if we could use that time and energy to build, to create, to write, to produce, to activate? Like that's what we're here for. So yes, heal by all means, but that's not the end of the journey. Now you could get to living, right? What are you on the planet to do? And how do I know what I'm on the planet to do? The things I am gifted to do, the doors that open and that align with me, the things that Howard Thurman, a black theologian would say, when I'm doing these things, I come alive. You know, do the things that, that bring you to life, that animate you. Uh, those are your gifts and that's your purpose. And so your responsibility is to fully manifest the truth of who you are. And everything else uh, is, is, is an understudy, right? Everything else 
is a, is a shadow. Everything else is a fraction of who you are. And some of us have been living small because the trauma taught us to fly under the radar because you don't want people to see you because then people might come after you. Um, but then your whole life is in hiding. So I hope that you will not hide. I hope you will shine. I hope that you will live the fullness of who that of who you are. I hope that you will be fulfilled. I hope that you will remember the truth of your sacred identity and just how precious you are. Could you just say, and just how precious you are one more time? Yes. And just how precious you are. It doesn't get more perfect than perfect. <laughs> Exclamation point, period. Exclamation. That's it. That's it. Um, the last thing is just plug whatever you want to plug, whatever you have upcoming, whatever you want people to find you, all of that. Just give me that and then. All right. <laughs> I'm so happy. I'm going to scream after I'm so I press happy. stop. I'm so happy. That's good. So I am so appreciative of this time with you all and especially with you. And I hope that you all will follow me in social media, Dr. Tama, and follow the Homecoming podcast. So my mental health podcast, I release episodes uh, every Sunday and it's on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud and YouTube. And if we have any psychologists who are listening or any of you who are in therapy with a psychologist, you can plug for them. I am running for president-elect of the American Psychological Association and ballots go out next month. Amazing, amazing. I love that. I did see that. And I yeah. see that campaign on your website. You know, I, I'm, I, it's happening already. It's happening already. Can I just pray for you real quick before yes, we Yes, please, I receive it, thank you. Okay. <clears throat> I'm a poet, so yeah. I want to give you my, my poetry prayer. Okay. It's called Up From Here. Uh. Dear Lord, <laughs> thank you so much for the divine woman that's standing before me, Father. For she is able to activate something within me. And that's not because of her. That's because of you. Because you give us the powers to do everything that we were destined to do. So in this moment, I just say... A divine blessing upon her life on this very day because we know that there's nothing outside of her that can prevent the spirit and the power that's within her so i say up from here for there was a time in her life where she didn't know that she could do the things that she's doing now and even so there's things that you're doing now that she can do in the future in increasing measure so i just say thank you father for separating the desires for pleasure and the desire to walk in purpose and serve you and I know that you'll follow through. I know you'll give her everything that she needs so that she can do the things that she was destined to do. Give her the divine light, give her the divine energy, give her everything that she needs to do her work. This is not just about me. This is not just about life scheme. This is about doing something that makes sure that we keep our heart pure and clean with a divine mind and good mental health. And I thank you so much for the way that you moved. You've made this interview like it was stealth. It came like a thief in the night and now it'll be for the world to see. Thank you, Lord, so much for blessing me by blessing her and blessing she. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. amen. I love it, I love it, thank you. <laughs>